0: Suburban Eastern Australia, an environment that has, over time, evolved some extraordinarily unique groups of Homo sapiens. Despite the reputation of their homeland, some are remarkably thin-skinned. Some seem to have multiple lifespans. A few were once thought to be extinct in the region. Others have been observed being sacrificed by their own. But today... We observe a small tribe akin to a group of meerkats that gather together atop a small mound to watch, question, and discuss the current events of their city, their country, and their world at large. Let's listen keenly and observe this group, fondly known as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove.
1: Yes, welcome back, dear listener. The Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast. Hopefully, your favourite group of meerkats we've assembled <laughs> here in I the leafy like western the sound suburbs. The
2: is the sacrificing each other on the whatever.
1: Yeah, that's the longer version that Smiley Al did. So for our uh, for our fifth anniversary, dear listener, which is this episode, two hundred and sixty episodes. Uh, here we are. So I thought we would play the longer version. Uh, This is a podcast. We talk about news and politics, sex and religion. I am Trevor, a.k.a. The Iron Fist. With me as always is Paul the Twelfth Man. Greetings, Earthlings. With with me as always as well is was the beer sponsor. G'day, listeners. And returning like the prodigal son that he is, (laughs) Scott the Velvet Glove is here. G'day, listeners. (laughs) A.k.a. The Voice of
2: Reason.
3: Welcome (laughs) back, Scott. Welcome Mm.
2: back. We were arguing before, Scott. What's the,
4: what's the reason you've come back? <laughs> think, because Paul has drunk too much of the Libertarian Kool-Aid and, Trevor, you have drunk too much of the Chinese Communist Party Kool-Aid. <laughs> so I have returned to be the voice of reason. Mm-hmm. No, the uh, sad fact is, ladies and gentlemen, like a million other Australians, I am out of my ass right now. So mm. I am unemployed. So... That might uh, lead me to rather prematurely talk about the beer sponsorship because I'm down to my last <laughs> two six-packs of Heineken, oh. one of which I've brought here tonight, which will get consumed. So, okay.
5: you
1: know. We got some beer from, uh, from listener John who visited last week. So, I did. Uh, yeah, we. Oh, yeah. thanks, John. So, so now thanks, John. Now that, that you're back John. in town, yes. you can enjoy that. So, right, well, he's come back for the beer. So oh, there absolutely. we go. come back for the beer. Yeah. yeah. So, dear listener, we're going to uh, normally – we are pretty good, I reckon, at not fluffing around. We just get straight into the topics, but we might be a little bit more self-indulgent in this episode. <clears> I mean, five years, that's a significant achievement. We can pat ourselves on the back a little Congratulations, bit Trevor yeah. and Scott. To, to everybody. Thank you. To yeah. everybody in The founders of the podcast. Mm. So um, I thought I'd just remind everybody of who we are to start with. You know, new listeners who are just joining us for the first time episode 260. Um, Paul. Uh, A bike-riding, music-loving libertarian English teacher (laughs) with a keen interest in Japan and China, looking for love, and as elder statesman of our group, he represents the Baby Boomers. (laughs) Thank you. Was. I'm nervous. (laughs) The founder and patron of a community running group, but due to injury, he doesn't run. He started a bike-riding tour guide business, but due to COVID-19, can't guide. He's an engineer, but due to job dissatisfaction, has retired and no longer engineers. He started our beer sponsorships, and thankfully, still drinks beer. Was <laughs> I wasn't sure who you should represent, and I thought, well, you're probably Gen X, and so I I did a quick Google of Gen X, and the definition that came up was the generation born after that of the baby boomers, roughly from early 60s to late 70s. Typically, Correct. typically perceived to be disaffected. And directionless. There you go. <laughs> Representing Gen <laughs> Accurate. X. Accurate. Representing Gen X was the beer sponsor.
3: <laughs> thank <laughs> you, thank
4: you, thank you, thank you. Directionless. I mean, I, I, what did they? What was the first thing? We
1: were, I, I'm just having a dig it in my I mean, some poetic. <laughs> no, I mean
4: we're we're definitely squashed because mm. we've got two competing generations on either yes. side of us. We've got the Boomers that won't get out of the fucking way. Yes. And you got Gen Y underneath us that want to have all our jobs. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I apologise. it's right. A bit harsh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Scott, uh, Scott is a private school educated accountant and a former card-carrying member of the Liberal Party, <laughs> but being an openly gay man, he is the closest thing we have to a representative of an oppressed minority. Thank <laughs> you, <Yes. laughs> <laughs> hey, Scott. Yeah, thank you very much. Yes, and I, of course, and Trevor, ex-lawyer who dabbles in watercolours and plays squash at a local country club. I live in a McMansion in a leafy western suburbs of Brisbane with a tennis court and a custom built wood fired pizza oven, <laughs> so I naturally represent the working class. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, thanks. So. Actually, my working class credentials are pretty good. They are, yeah, because my father was a full on labourer his entire life, and my mother was a tuck shop um, lady, like used to run a tuck shop to different high schools, and uh, and we were so middle, so working class that when both my brother and I were born um, and they were deciding on names, my father decided that we would not have middle names. Couldn't afford them. Middle names were for posh people and we were (laughs) working class stock and that that we would not have a middle name for that reason. He thought that was for for the posh people. So there you go. You don't
3: the class of your
1: parents though, do you? In terms of credentials, you know, if you're looking for a sort of – Um, Yeah, Landon gave me the nickname Tinkerbell. Exactly, yeah. Tinkerbell. Yeah. So so there you go. That's who we are. And we've had a few messages of congratulations. I'll just play our first one before we move on to more substantial topics. So here we go. Um, This is from Father Anonymous.
6: Congratulations, Trevor, on five years of fine podcasting. Like a good communion wine, your podcasts get better with every year. Sadly, your iron fist has lost its velvet glove. But the addition of young Woz has helped Twelfth Man keep you in line. <laughs> Dear listener, don't be seduced by Trevor's dulcet tones or seemingly reasonable arguments. When it comes to Trevor, remind yourself of the wise words of Brian's mother. He's not the Messiah, he's just a very naughty boy. <laughs> Thank you,
1: Father Anonymous. Yeah. So before we get into some uh, contemporary topics, I thought I would just launch into a little bit of a what have we learned session, at least on my part, and I don't know if you guys have got anything you want to add, but after five years and 260 episodes, I thought I would reflect a little bit on what I've learned anyway, and a little bit of this came out in the uh, interview that I did a few weeks ago as well with uh, Shay. So... Scott, when we started this podcast, um, back when we were members of the secular party and that, um, I started off thinking that if people only knew what unfair privileges are being handed to religious groups, then they would be appalled and shocked and they would rise up and object.
4: No, they haven't.
1: No, that's what I thought. I was completely (laughs) wrong.
4: (laughs) No, I I thought your premise was right and all that sort of thing, but, you know... We had how long was the Royal Commission into Child Sexual Abuse? Mm. And yet, you know, you've had two, three Prime Ministers since then. Now we're onto Prime Minister number four now. Right. And you know what Morrison said to them today? He says, unless you sign up to the National Redress Scheme by midnight tonight, we're going to name and shame you tomorrow morning. Is that right? That's what he's done. Right. Now, I can't imagine Abbott doing that because he was very much in the in the in the bed with the with the Catholic priests. Mm-hmm. At least this guy's looking like he's independent. But Although, is it enough?
2: Naming and shaming. Why don't they uh, do? Well, he's also he's
4: also said that they're going to lose any public support t-
2: Well, take away their charitable.
4: charitable I agree. Stakes I like. reckon they should. I reckon they should all lose their charitable stakes because it's only religion should, for God's yeah. sake.
1: Anyway, so we we're, we're wrong. I was wrong. If you thought the same as me, we were both wrong on that score. I thought uh, simply explaining it to people would be enough to get some 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 rise out of people. But um, obviously people don't care. And when they do, um, more often than not, they're okay with religious privilege. And I'm thinking private schools. Absolutely. If you start a conversation around a barbecue with people about private schools, if they went to one, they're more than happy for the continuing Subsidy to occur. Um, it's very hard to talk people out of it. There's a real loyalty and love and of their private school. If they school. send
2: their own kids to one, mm-hmm. oh, they get very. They find lots of good reasons for the mm-hmm. government to give money to their school.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the to me the ongoing power of religious groups is tied up with tradition, um, and the increasing embeddedness of religion in the key power structures of government, political parties, and the media. So. In government, religious groups are heavily involved in providing welfare services. Like the government contracts out a lot of stuff to religious groups Mm -hmm. to say, here, run this employment agency, this welfare service, this homeless shelter, this adoption agency. uh, These hospitals, these schools, like a lot of government functions are are just contracted out to religious groups. Um, Political parties, as we've discovered, uh, you know, not only, of course, with the conservatives, with the takeover by Mormons and and the evangelicals, but even in the Labor Party, we've got the Shoppies Union, which is heavily Catholic, and the media. Um, we've got you know guys like Greg Sheridan the Australian. Every opportunity he gets, he's praising God. We've got all those shows on the ABC that are religious focused, even when the national secular lobby was going to the ABC and trying to get more representation, it was clear that one of the main characters that they were talking to was a really heavily religious guy and he just wasn't having a bar of of the arguments they were making. So there's all that embedded power that religions have that um, is one of the reasons why we're not making any progress. So... To me, all of the best arguments in the world won't matter while powerful people have a pro-religious agenda. Like, they just don't care what good arguments we might come up with and what petitions might be signed. I mean, you look at things like voluntary assisted dying, clearly 80%, all the polls consistently Mm. show 80% of people want it. But Mm. um, it's that religious element of power that's holding us back. Um, So I say that if... um, if we want to remove religious privilege, then we must forget about winning arguments and think about winning power. Uh, uh, trying to win the argument is a waste of time if the powerful people don't care. Mm-hmm. And um, if we want to win power, we must motivate people with a tribal pitch. Mm-hmm. So a narrow pitch of a secular utopia is just not going to work. Narrow pitch of, say, the secular party that we were involved in, Scott. Um, I think a pitch to the powerless against the powerful might work. Um, but it requires a salesman, a storyteller, someone who can pull back the curtain and reveal a wizard, and it will take tough times for people to be hurting to be amenable to change because while things are okay, people aren't prepared to make a major change. So I was oh, okay. It's only when people are hurting that they'll actually consider more revolutionary concepts. Um so there'll be no changes with our tough times and a charismatic revolutionary, is the conclusion I've come to.
4: Well, who do you want to cast as the charismatic revolutionary? Uh, that person hasn't ar- that, that, that,
1: It's you, Trevor. It's, it's, not, it's you. It's not me and the time hasn't come yet, but it might be around the corner. I don't know. But there's no, there's, the charismatic revolutionary is wasted until time to tough anyway.
4: Well, I think that the COVID crisis has presented humanity with an opportunity here. Because in the United States, now I was listening to a podcast this morning, Cognitive Dissonance, and they were saying that um, they were talking about the Democratic Party conventions and that sort of thing when they were deciding who is going to be the presidential candidate. And they said at the time when UBI, Universal Basic Income, first was floated, they thought that'll never happen. Mm. There's actually now conversations about Universal Basic Income among mainstream Democrats, not just the lunatic left Democrats, but among mainstream Democrats. Mm. Now they've got a long way to go before they convince the left wing of the of the Republican Party to come on side. But it's a step forward,
5: mm.
4: you know. And if America goes, then Australia is going to have no choice but to go,
5: mm.
4: you know, because universal basic income is only going to take one major country to do it, and the rest of them will follow will, will follow suit.
3: Mm. Mm. Cultural changes take time. Cultural changes
4: take a hell of a lot
3: longer time. Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat in 1958 or Mm. something and it wasn't until 2009 that we had a black US president Mm. like – Mm. It, it takes time.
4: It takes a hell of a long time. But it takes Rosa, more than five years. Exactly. Rosa Parks was 1958, I think it was. Something like that. And then 1964, I believe, was the first
2: um, Civil, the Rights Act, Civil Rights Act, Act,
4: in Act in the US. 64
2: yeah. or 65, something like that. Something it's like still that. ongoing. You it's know. still ongoing, yeah. I mean, for matter. God's sake, George And then the Floyd, Voting, right Act, Act,
3: Voting Rights Act a year or two later. I think.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for God's sake, George Floyd, that was bloody disgraceful.
3: Mm. You know. I think in terms of cultural changes, the Gay marriage happened the quickest.
4: Absolutely it did. It took it. It only
3: took 20 years.
4: (laughs) (laughs) It it took longer than that because if you, well, I don't know, if you speak to the really old queens and all that sort of stuff, they wanted it right from Mm. the word go.
5: Yeah.
4: But, you know, most of us didn't, I didn't expect to see it in my lifetime. Mm. we have got it.
1: Yeah. One of the reasons that got through was it was of of limited cost to the powerful, Mm. like, Mm. Billionaires don't care if mm. gay people are getting married, yeah. so that didn't hurt them in their hip pocket. So, mm. unless they, but are even
3: like um, issues like abortion um, in Queensland, the law just got changed last year. Mm-hmm. You know, there were mm-hmm. people that had been working on that since the early seventies. Mm. Um, hats off to time. them, you yeah. know, tip
1: of the hat to them. But
3: you know, it, these things take time, so.
1: Mm. Don't give up, Trevor. I'm not giving up, but I'm, I'm um, you know, when it comes to gay marriage, one of the things about that was people needed a personal experience of a niece or a nephew who was gay or a relative, and enough people had enough gay mm. friends that they, I think that's what swung people around at the end mm. of the day, was was that uh, rusted on sort of conservative people ended up having younger gay relatives and friends who they mm. felt but lots needed. of people lose
2: right. uh, loved ones to, um, you know, painful illnesses in old age too.
1: Um, they do, or they see it. They do, um, yeah. But you know, in our society, people end up in hospitals, and
2: I don't know. Sight, maybe. maybe
1: they, maybe they don't see it as much. Look, what
2: about the current pandemic situation and the lockdown and how? Everybody meekly and dutifully, you know, locked themselves away. It, it didn't look like uh, fertile ground for a revolution to me. I have to say,
5: mm.
1: because people say meek about accepting yeah. it. Yeah, everyone's yeah. like respect oh, really? for authority.
2: What else do I have to do? Yes, sir. okay.
1: <laughs> I think yeah. I saw that nine hundred Victorians refused the test. You know how they're going around? In,
2: in hotel lockdown. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was after they were taken to hotels. There right. was a certain
1: number that refused to right. take any further tests. I thought that was a pretty healthy number of people objecting.
4: Yeah, yeah, but for those people that uh, objected to getting tested when they'd been put into hotel lockdown, that's fine. You then present them with a bill for the first fourteen days that they're in lockdown, and then you present them with another bill for the final ten days that they've got to be in lockdown again.
2: Your authoritarian tendencies I are know, coming out. I know my
4: authoritarian again, tendencies are coming out again because it's fucking ridiculous. These people have come in from abroad and yet they're refusing to be they're refusing to be tested.
2: Well, they went into a compulsory 14-day lockdown, so yeah, I I know, mean, but- if they'd exhibited any symptoms during those 14 days, of course they would have been tested. So,
1: so Paul, from your point of view, a compulsory <laughs> lock-up for 14 yeah. days is is reasonable behaviour by the state, but not th- testing somebody. Is that what you're saying? I'm I'm a little
2: bit resistant to any sort of compulsory measures, but... I mean, I understand it was, it was a, a virus and everybody was scared and they wanted to control it, but...
1: It just seems if you can accept that people can lock you up in a room for 14 days, but not that they can actually swab, swab you, you for a test. Yeah. When, when uh, if you're pulled up in your car and they're doing a random drug test, they swab you. So you don't get a chance there to say, "Oh, I I want to protect my libertarian rights here." This is well, they have legislation
2: to yeah, but we're talking about whether it's
1: ethical or a reasonable use of state power. And would you agree that if you can do a random drug test of a driver of a vehicle, Mm -hmm. you should be able to do a a a swab test of a person for COVID in a situation where there's a strong reason to do so? <clears throat> I personally don't think I would have even been bothered if I was locked in a
2: hotel for 14 days and they said, can we just swab your mouth? I probably would have said, yeah,
3: why not? They, yes. don't, they, don't, they don't swab your mouth. They stick it right up your nose. And I oh, think that's no. part of the reason why these people were complaining about it is because they yeah. stick this thing and they tickle your brain with it, essentially.
1: Uh, it's supposedly quite uncomfortable. Mm. So... They, are, they have produced a saliva test, which is yes. less and invasive but potentially not as accurate. They were saying,
3: I'm, I don't want them stick up my nose. If you've got a saliva test, I'd rather yeah. have that. Thank you.
1: So, Paul, I still don't know where you stand. Are you saying that, that the state shouldn't be testing these people? No, I'm be, not saying the state shouldn't be testing Shouldn't be able people. to force a test on somebody? Is no, I don't, okay. I don't
2: mind testing. Personally, I don't right. mind testing. It's okay. the lockdown that I objected to because it damaged so many people.
1: Right. In really,
2: really serious ways.
4: Yeah, but.
1: Here's a good one. Don't
4: you think
2: that if we hadn't
4: locked down? Now, I heard your conversation with Deep Throat on this point, and the both of you asked him the question about whether or not compulsory lockdown was the right way to go. Mm -hmm. Warren, I believe you said that you were in favour of lockdown, but it should be voluntary lockdown. Is that right? No. Okay. No worries. No. One of you, I thought, said that you preferred a voluntary lockdown to a compulsory lockdown.
2: I preferred no lockdown.
4: Well, okay, that's fine.
2: I'm for social distancing.
4: Yeah. I would have
2: been happy for everybody to be ordered to wear masks, you know, in public, that, you know, wash their hands, all the other things, but locking everyone down, keeping people away from their work and their business, that really damaged a lot of people.
3: Particularly when there's no empirical evidence that suggests that it does any real... Can 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 provide any The
4: United States—it's <laughs> got out of control. To yeah, the that, point that's where,
3: just one example. Well, oh. <laughs> can
2: can <laughs> so we
1: can lockdown. we? Hey, they were in lockdown. Can Scott. We, we're in can lockdown. we revisit lockdown at another time? Because we did lockdown in depth. Several times. Yes, Can we're I- moving on from lockdown. No, the well, correlation is not strong. You've that's Scott. after the episode. You've abandoned the podcast. Now you come back and you want to pick and choose a topic. <laughs> that's You're going to you have to come Scott, back to that one at a different time, Scott.
2: Scott. There was some correlation, but the correlation yep. wasn't that strong.
1: Exactly. Really. Can I just mention in the chat room? Bronwyn asked, "Did the ABC ever interview me?" No, and I reached out to them on several occasions. And it was a brick wall. <laughs> also, Broman said some conspiracy theorists are advising people to refuse testing because they see it as an excuse for the government to gather the DNA of large numbers of, of people. Man. Of course, right. of course, they would do that, right? Yeah. Mm. So, um, so there we go. Okay, let's go back. Let me just finish off with my little spiel of things I've learned. And uh, okay. the the other thing that I've learned, I think, with that sort of power bit is. In my view, real power rests with either of the two major parties and the Liberals are beyond redemption. Uh, the Christian parasite has taken over the host. In that Why are they case. beyond redemption? They're, they're so riddled with Christian nutters. They will die a, someday. No, their sons and daughters will take over.
2: Yeah, but they could be it's, a, a different kettle of fish completely. Uh, Young
1: people are less religious than their parents. We all know that's true. The the whole population is less religious, but our politicians are more religious than ever. It's because they're interested in gaining this power. Well, we need to do something about it. Uh, Well, you you asked why are they beyond redemption? Well, they're not, and I'm saying that they are beyond redemption because the tentacles of the religious groups are way too strong in the, in the Liberal Party now. I could have, have said have no the same chance.
2: thing about the Labor Party and you two guys and seem to think it can be reformed from inside. Why not the Liberal Party
1: being reformed it's from inside? It's a question of degree. I think there's too many have got control of too much of the Liberal Party. So <laughs> that's where they've concentrated their efforts. So... In my humble opinion, I'm saying the Liberal Party is beyond <laughs> redemption. Um, okay. See, if and- I was
4: still living in Rockhampton, I probably would have joined the LNP to try and reform it from the inside rather mm. than the Labour Party. Haven't you already
2: joined the Labour Party?
4: No, I haven't joined either party. Oh, I thought you'd joined. No, I haven't joined either party. Oh.
1: So, anyway, if secularism. But you can't, be, can't be a member of both, you know that. No, don't I know you? that. <laughs> if secularism is to prevail at any point in Australia's history or future, would would be because. Enough secularists got enough power in the Labor Party to make a difference, and somebody at the right moment comes up and makes some changes. So, for example, a Dan Andrews could, in a federal sphere, make some changes that we would like in terms of secularism if the right guy like that came up. Well, but I do The right guy. I think Chairman Andrews. I think in terms of. Um, voluntary assisted dying, abortion laws. He's the sort of guy who's pushed a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think he's been quite progressive on a lot of those things. On some issues.
4: Despite his religiosity too. Yeah, exactly. And his
1: courting of the Chinese Communist Party. So I think in terms of secularism, which is where I'm at at the moment, Mm -hmm. I think a guy like that is how things would change. You just need the right guy at the right time. Like I was reading about the history of communism Mm -hmm. and why did Communism fail in the Soviet Union. What? Why did it eventually go the way it did? Because it fails
2: everywhere because people, when you concentrate power in too few hands,
1: mm. that power corrupts them. Yeah, but nobody uh, looked at the Soviet Union and predicted its demise in the way that it happened so quickly. Like no, really but- people... A bit like the beginning of 2020, we were looking at the next 12 months and going, oh, well, a bit more of the same shitfuckery from Morrison, (laughs) nothing much going to happen here, and kaboom. And the same with the Soviet Union. Nobody saw, nobody studying the Soviet Union at the time said, oh, it's going to break up within two years. Mm -hmm. And what happened was Gorbachev got elected, Mm -hmm. and Gorbachev, nobody saw him, nobody had any idea that he was going to do what he did, not even Gorbachev probably. Mm. But once he was in that position and looked around, he had the power, and then he made the decisions, and and that was the end of communism mm. in the Soviet Union, like a completely new model. But it really was a bit of a stroke of fortune mm. that the right guy at the right time. Nobody suspected he was going to do that, but that's one of the reasons why he got into power. If they had any any inkling that he was going to do what he did, he wouldn't have got in. So
2: it's still quite so, surprising. So
1: that's why um, that it happened. Yes, so it's particularly as quickly in, a, in, a, in the time frame that it did. So have you seen the, Chernobyl? Uh, what a movie or no, a book? No, it's I a
4: mini No, okay. HBO no. did it. It's very good.
1: Right. So, um, so there. Um, meanwhile, as we speak, just in wrapping up things I've learned over five years <laughs> and theories I've developed, you can disagree <laughs> as you clearly do. <laughs> Glad to have Scott here to back me up a little bit. Um, so the left. Uh, is strangling itself with identity politics. Indeed. And along the way, it's abandoned the working class and the importance of free speech, and it's totally given up on left-wing economic policies. The right has maintained the popular acceptance of low taxes and small government. Um, It continues to fool Australians into thinking the coalition are the better economic managers, and it gets support from the Murdoch press, and it gets religious support. And enthusiastic conservative Protestant Christians willingly adopt prosperity gospel doctrine in return for conservative moral laws. And their end times theology helps them ignore the dangers of climate change. So so the right has struck up alliances with, with the Christian evangelicals and uh, they've come to agreement. And that's why we're stuck in the mess we're in. And the only way out would be the way I'm described. So no short answers there, no happy stories. Um, it's grim in the near future, I would think, unless we get lucky with a Gorbachev-type situation. There we go. What have you learned, Scott?
2: Well, this last five years? Mm-hmm.
4: Well, depressingly, I think, it's, um, I think Trevor's synopsis is right. The religions have got control of us. And they've got definitely got control of the government right now. And the religions, to a lesser degree, do have control of the Labor Party too, you know. Um, you only have to look at the, <laughs> the batshit craziness coming out of the right wing of the Liberal Party where they, um, you know, you're watching Sky News the other night. Uh, Scott. No, I did. I watched it because I had to, he had to know your enemy. Yeah, okay. And Fair I enough. was watching it and I thought to myself, Jesus Christ, this is Fox News. <laughs> it is. was after dark. Yes, it and is. What's that nutcase's name? Chris Kenny or something like that? No. <laughs> talk
1: <laughs> <like, talking laughs> into the microphone no, was, when you there, are going to talk there, anyway. There's a nutcase. Please, there's lots of them, Scott. Anyway, but he was an absolute names. nut
4: and I thought to myself, I was watching it and I thought to myself, God, this could be Tucker Carlson or any of them. Yeah.
1: It you is. Know, it, it's straight out of Fox News.
4: It is. It was really very frightening. You don't like
1: Tucker Carlson? No, I don't.
4: You know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was a wink there from 12th Man for those not watching, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> right. No,
4: it was absolutely ridiculous. And that is the whole point that I think that I honestly believe that the religions have got control of the government. And if I didn't know any better, I'd su- suggest that Murdoch was one of their bloody – chief proselytisers because he seems to be banging on the same sorts of drum that the religions are.
2: Mm. Which- no, he's banging on um, Mick Jagger's ex-wife.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is he? Yes. What's yeah. mm. the name? That, uh,
2: that blonde one from Texas. Um,
1: can't remember. Hall, Hall I think, yeah, isn't it? Uh, that's right, Jerry Hall. Jerry, Jerry Hall, Hall. Right. yeah. Uh, All right. As I mentioned earlier, well, actually, I saw an interesting meme, um, and it was this guy said, um, "Awesome! I always wondered what it was like to live during times of the Civil War, the Spanish Flu, the Great Depression, the Civil Rights Movement, Watergate, and the Dust Bowl—not all at once, mind you—but biggest cup of Jesus." I thought that was good, and you could add to that. He forgot to mention McCarthyism and the fall of the Roman Empire. Like, uh, yeah. so. It's a very fun times. It is a very interesting time <laughs> that we're in in terms of social movements.
4: They it are all is, happening. And I, I do agree with you that I think the United States is in decline. Now, if it goes into decline too quickly, they could end up being trigger happy and start shooting people. If it goes into decline more slowly, then you could see a very orderly transition of China becoming the number one economy and the US becoming number two. But if, God forbid, if Trump is re-elected, then God alone knows what can, what's going to happen because, you know, you could end up seeing an absolutely crazy country out of that.
1: I think we've got a crazy country there already. I know. It's so crazy, it's, but
4: it's not completely insane, though. It could be end up being
1: completely insane. It, it is completely insane. It just needs more things to happen to expose the insanity that's already there. So, um Right. right, let's move on to some current affairs. And um, firstly, um, Scott Morrison. Um, Scotty from marketing. Yeah.
2: Still the prime minister, I believe. His
1: approval rating <laughs> is 68%. Yeah. yeah. I
3: know,
4: because Alban, Albanese is about as inspiring as a dishcloth. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's incredibly boring. You know,
2: I think. He's done nothing. He
4: has done nothing. And this
2: is. I hope you know, Albo's not listening to the podcast.
4: Well, <laughs> I hope he is listening to it because, Albo, if you're going to win the next election, you have got to get out of the starting box. You've got to start mm. moving forward. And he hasn't, you know. Uh, and I know that he's reluctant to take on the government because of the pandemic. But Jesus Christ.
1: You've got to put up a fight. I think that
4: they've got to put up some sort of fight, don't not you yeah. think?
1: Mm <clears throat> Yeah. So, Sorry. Anyway. No, you're right. Uh, so yeah. been locked, he's been very lackluster. He's
2: incredibly lackluster. Mm.
4: And you know, I don't understand why the why they didn't choose what's his name, the Queensland bloke, the guy that's um, oh,
2: yeah, the shadow minister.
4: Is it Chisholm,
1: Chisholm or something like that? Or no, starts um, with C H, something know. like that. Yeah.
4: Anyway, he's the shadow Chalmers. Chalmers. Yeah, Jim mm. Chalmers. Mm.
2: He Sunshine
1: would have been
4: Coast. a hell of a lot better choice. But anyway, maybe they're all warned off Queenslanders because of the Rudd experiment. Who knows?
1: I was looking up something that I'd said uh, in preparation for this night. stumbled across a bit from episode 220 where I wrote, um, so this must have been shortly after Morrison was elected, I think, so 40 weeks ago.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, here's what you need to know. Scott Morrison is an asshole. Just remember that. Mm-hmm. He will spend the next three years smirking. With the help of Murdoch, he will throw shit at Labor and none of it will stick to him. He will appear on Seven Thirty Report and smirk his way through the timid questioning of Lee Sales, knowing he can bullshit at will because no one cares. Let's just pause there. Let's talk about ABC funding cuts and whatever. And I was watching Seven Thirty Report with Lee Sales, and she had Christopher Pine on
6: because
1: mm. he's produced a book. So she had a bit of a the friendliest chat with Christopher Pine about, oh, you know, what a what a marvellous book you've written and what fun it'll be to read and what a, what a good guy you were when you were in politics. And, oh, the, Christopher Pine has gone out and finished his ministerial duties and almost the next day gone and worked mm-hmm. for contractors who deal with the department that he was in charge of. Mm-hmm. Like, and it seems that what he's done is technically within the rules, but ethically it's monstrous. Like shameless, isn't it? Shameless. And Lee Sales just gave him a free plug on the ABC for his book and just the barest mention of that conflict without sticking it to him and saying, What the fuck? How dare you go and work for these organizations Mm. after you're in that position? You're clearly sending a signal to these groups that do the right thing by me and you'll be offered a job afterwards. Mm. And and she just gave him the just the softest interview, and, and it it just sort of was one of the things I thought. God, they don't deserve funding if they're going to do stuff mm. like that. No, I mean, well, I don't want them to lose their funding, but it just reduced my level of sympathy a smidgen with such a soft well, interview.
4: Well, I honestly miss Kerry O'Brien. Yes, he was a bloody good journalist.
1: He was a good interviewer.
4: Mm. Yeah, he was. He wouldn't have let Pine Ke- no,
1: Kerry O'Brien wouldn't have. No, no. He, he was. Good. He
4: would have had him on the ropes. Yep. And he was not—he was not biased either, because I saw him. He had Paul Keating on the ropes one time, and I thought to myself, "Jesus Christ, I must have misjudged him," because that was back in my anti-Keating days. No, he was
1: good, but he we've also now got on this Sunday show. You know, all the Fox, all the um,
4: yeah, the Sky News, Sky News guys, because, and um, Greg
1: Sheridan mm-hmm. are trotted out on an ABC program. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? You just want to have ABC journalists I want experts over and over and over. I, I want people who well, are experts in a field, not people with just a bullshit right-wing nonsensical opinion. You seem
2: to make assumptions that anybody who doesn't work for the ABC is right-wing. No, trippy. but
1: I've read and listened to Chris Kenny. I've read and listened to Greg Sheridan. They get a soapbox presented to them, their views are well known and they spend their time bagging the ABC and calling for it to be defunded. Well why would you? It's like a that's like saying to Coca-Cola, invite the Pepsi executives into your boardroom and let them listen into your conversations and participate. Like you don't have to. You do your own thing and you don't need to be promoting not only the opposition but a shitty opposition in the terms of Chris Kenny and it's Greg Sheridan it's not selling it's not selling they're not journalists soft drink. they're just they're oh, just giving me. opinion that is agenda driven it's not even an attempt to be truthful and Chris the Ken- abc
2: journalists are always absolutely committed to the truth are they no
1: no they're not
4: but not I always I, well you, I, what's
2: wrong with having a balance of people from different organizations because then? The right-wing do put too much emphasis on the right. I think it's a huge assumption that they're all right-wing.
4: Okay.
1: Yeah, sure it's not an assumption. Right you have to just – and Chris Kenny, you just have to listen sure to them. Sheridan is a conservative. You, you just have to listen right to them wing. for five I think minutes. It's a little
2: bit uh, –
1: Surely if you've read and that's listened correct. to them long enough, you can form it for you. Greg Sheridan, except
2: for his uh, nutty belief in the Sky Fairy, mm. I think he's one of the more intelligent commentators that they have on the program. Oh well, yeah,
4: I've heard this before and I don't agree with no. you. But anyway, <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's, I, what's the guy's name that's running this Sunday program now? Spears? Yes. Spears. Spears. Spearsy. Spears. To his mates. Now, he was... I thought he was quite good when he was on Sky News mm-hmm. because he was a sensible See, he moderate. He said it again. He watches Sky News. No. He Got not know the enemy. He was a sensible moderate person. There you go. But he's taken over. But he seems to have just kept his old Rolodex, who will I get this week? And he rings them up. See, you know, one, you of, the re- one of the next re- thing you're going to see is Alan Jones trotted out there on Sunday morning. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, one would hope not.
3: <laughs> but hang on, are but, we saying? Are you, are you guys saying that the ABC is um,
1: leaning right now? No, no it's no, not leaning right. But, but the guests. Are, why are you allowing the are, yeah. these, Why are you allowing these right wing guests to have a platform to spruke an agenda that isn't? It's not an honestly held factual belief. It is agenda-driven, where they hate government, they hate the ABC, and they come on there and just bag because that's their agenda, hmm. they, they don't actually come out with useful arguments. Like if they trotted out an economist who said, well, for these reasons I think this is a better policy, which happens to be oh. a right-wing policy, well and good, I could accept it. But one of the problems we've talked about, the fall of the Roman Empire, the American Empire, is Fox News has... Driven, just a huge um, divide between in that American community. They're responsible for a lot of damage to the culture of America. Mm. And Sky News will do exactly the same here. They're a dangerous group. But I think they it's
3: d- both sides of media. To be fair, it's not just Fox. It's CNN is terrible oh, yeah. as well. But Fox it's is off. The, is, off
1: the, ABC off the, is but, terrible. But, but, it's there's but the ABC is nowhere balanced near balanced media. Anyway. A- ABC is far closer to the centre than Fox or Sky News. Do you think not? I like,
2: think they're going further and further left all the time. They're drifting into identity politics madness. I see it more and more on their
1: on their hmm. website. I I can agree with you on identity politics that they're way left, but when it comes to other issues, they're much more centrist. And I think you can actually get value from the ABC that you can't get from Fox. That you can't compare them. You can't say they
2: pander to every. Bloody left-wing fan. Yeah,
1: on, on that issue of identity politics, I agree with oh, you. Oh, and, you know, but, all the respect but, bullshit and every
2: time they mention death or suicide, if any of this has the drum. caused mm. you any concern, please phone. You know, but, I mean, but, but, it's like nanny state bullshit all the
1: time. But the drum's horrible. Isn't it's, it? It is, it's atrocious. It's used, it is, unwatchable. It is unwatchable. I used is, to watch
2: it every single day for the first year or two and now I just can't bear to even yeah. look at it. But ah.
1: at least they won't doctor a photo. Like that, <laughs> so yeah, Fox News is photo. doctoring photos. Like yeah, that's terrible. They are mashing up pictures of, of armed protesters and, and putting them Through Photoshop into scenarios where they were not standing. They should be challenged. And you cannot even trust them on something like that. Mm. So, you know, if they, a Fox News presenter will come out and say, oh, X percentage of people did X percent of this. And you go, I don't trust that figure. But I would trust that figure more from, say, the ABC than I would from, I I trust them on facts. I can't even trust the the Fox News on facts. That's the problem. They're Mm. they're purported facts. So, Mm. So, um, Well,
4: the other thing you can always do, you can always go onto the fact-checked website oh. and you can
3: see what is fact and what is fiction.
2: If you trust the fact But the damage is already website. done
3: by the time they parrot whatever message they wanted to parrot. Yeah, because most
2: people are not going to
3: fact-check anything. No.
2: So mm. it is important. They, they, to need, agree,
3: is they need consequences for their immoral behaviours. Mm. Which is why you then know? I think Fox News should have been turned off they, for 48 they, hours Bro, yeah, the, exactly. That's, that's the type of... You well, know, they, I think
4: that they ought to have their, their licence pulled for two days.
3: The, the worst punishment but, they get is to issue an apology. Exactly. You know, exactly and exactly. the apology is just nothing.
1: Mm. It's, it's a slap on the wrist. Mm. So, no, I just don't buy this argument that the ABC is, is so far an equivalent level left that Fox and Sky News are to the right. I just don't buy that at all. I, I see them as far more centrist and... A, and believable um, on issues. But I agree with you when it comes to identity politics uh they've, they're off the scale on the left, but every other issue I'm okay with them on. So there we go. Um, speaking of um, these issues, I gave you guys one at the last minute which I came across from the UK. So yeah. we've talked a bit about uh-huh. Australia and the US in recent times and there's an interesting one came from the UK which – people may not be aware of, but the opposition over there is Labor and the leader is Keir Starmer. Sir Keir Sir you. Keir Starmer, yes. And he sacked Rebecca Long-Bailey because she shared an article from The Independent which contained, in his view, an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory.
2: Did you think that was a bit so, harsh?
1: Well, let me give a few more details and then people can determine what they think. So... Mrs Long-Bailey retweeted an interview that the um, Independent did with a actor and Labor supporter called Maxine Peake and um, Bailey was the shadow education secretary. Um, so what did the article actually say? So um, did you guys get a chance to read the article? I did. Yeah. I did, yep. yeah. Okay. So I've just got excerpts of it here from the article. Um, After about 10 minutes into our conversation, Maxine Peake first calls for the destruction of capitalism. We've got to save humanity, says the venerated actor and activist who in her youth was a card-carrying communist. We're being ruled by capitalist, fascist dictators. It's entrenched, isn't it? We've got to the point where protecting capital is much more important than anybody's life. How do we dig out of that? How do we change? A bit further on. I don't know how we escape that cycle that's indoctrinated into us all, continues the 45-year-old. Well, we get rid of it when we get rid of capitalism, as far as I'm concerned. That's what it's all about. The establishment has got to go. We've got to change it. Born in Bolton to a lorry driver father and care worker mother, Peek is strident and expressive. If religion wasn't anathema to her, she'd be perfect in the pulpit. Here's the important pitch, she says. Systemic racism is a global issue, she adds. The tactics used by the police in America kneeling on George Floyd's neck that was learnt from seminars with Israeli secret services. And then the article goes on. So the tactics used by police in America, kneeling on George Floyd's neck, that was learnt from seminars with Israeli secret services. Now, apparently that's not correct factually. No, But is, but is it anti-Semitic? taken to be a, that one line in a... You know, quite lengthy article where she's railing about mm. capitalism and communism and all, and goes on to all sorts of stuff and talking about her role
3: in a recent. That's that's the main crux of the article. It, it, is she's talking about the her latest role in a
1: movie or something. In, indeed, and yeah. it was such a small part where she was just basically saying that racism is a global issue. These guys are using tactics that they've got from this other side of the world. Was that sort all of, she said? That if- that's that's. To me, what she was saying was, it's a global issue, and the tactics are mm. are um, transported around the world. Look, they use the one from the Israeli um, secret service, and that was enough for her to be um, cast as anti-Semitic so think, and mm. have to resign. And that's a bit harsh. Isn't I thought it was incredibly harsh mm. for for an article that had a lot of really really good anything stuff in it
2: anti-semitic no she just
3: bleated on like
2: a typical old you know lefty. british lefty yeah. yeah
3: want to be but communist he, lefty here's here's the line that that stood out to me mm. the shadow education secretary mm. who was beaten to the party leadership by Sakur, later said she had not meant to endorse all aspects of the article mm. she was a threat To
1: his leadership. Yes, there's a political rivalry there. Yeah. So it was a way of perhaps disposing of her and him saying, oh, I have to go for this. Yeah, it was out of self-interest. It had
3: nothing to do with anti-Semitism.
1: Yeah, but um, what a world when...
3: You probably didn't like Uh, her.
1: See, one of the the things that
4: I've found very galling over the last 10 years, I've noticed it, is that criticism of the state of Israel is automatically cast as anti-Semitism. Mm. and the two are incredibly different. Yeah. Anti-Semitism is hatred of Jewish people. Mm. Criticism of the Jewish state is an entirely separate thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's like
3: criticism of China and the Chinese people or the Chinese Communist Party. They're completely
1: different things. Particularly in the context of police tactics, you know, it's it's nothing to do with religion or race. Or being Jewish. It's it's about military tactics, if you like. Yeah, yeah. So... um, Ironically, in that same article, she said further down in it, this is um, the actor, Peak believes we should be able to learn from our smaller slip-ups too, particularly when it comes to terminology. The thing with language is, I think, some people get frightened, she says. When people don't understand, they get frightened, and then they get embarrassed, and then they get angry, and then it turns ugly. We need to break down the embarrassment, don't we? It's all right to get it wrong, as long as you're going to move towards getting it right. Sometimes... I'd rather people say something wrong than never say anything because they're too frightened. So the very point of this is she made a mistake about, well, okay, Israeli police didn't transport that tactic and it's blowing out like this for somebody who's just retweeted mm. an article like that. It's, yeah. And Rebecca Long-Bailey probably didn't even read the whole article. She just... Or if she did, My- she there's so much good stuff in the article. I quite liked what really? what she had to say. Uh, yeah. What that
2: actress said. Yeah, oh. she
1: did. Yeah, I did. So you know, mm-hmm. I thought she had some. Good it stuff was just to say. the
2: same old dogma about we've got to overturn capitalism.
1: You know. And that- uh, no, she was saying other things. Like she was doing a show which include was which was about um, jokes, and she was looking historically mm-hmm. at. At racist sort of behaviour. And she wanted to include the racist jokes in the play because it was important to demonstrate mm. to people that's what you used to say mm. in the 70s, this sort of joke. And the Thought Police were saying to her, you shouldn't put those that's jokes right. in. And she was saying, I think we should. Yeah. So, oh, really? yes. Oh, so I didn't read she that had part. some good stuff like yes. that in there. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I thought just uh, so the UK, Australia. U.S. We're all in trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let me see what else. Oh, there was also there was a sort of a reality TV star who had tweeted. Um, I don't know why some of you think I'm anti Black Lives Matter. I've been saying that since the day I lost my virginity. Did you hear about that one? The young Australian woman? No, I think she's um, British or something like that. So, Dee Newen. She's Australian, is she? I think so, yeah. Uh, anyway, so that was seen as anti-Black Lives Matter. And what they did was she they'd already recorded a whole reality TV show, kind of like a Survivor-type show, a sort of hmm. a, a spin-off of Survivor-type thing. And what they did was they completely edited the show to get rid of her whenever they could. So, you only see her in the background, or you never see any of her actual close ups or anything like that.
2: Really?
4: It was
1: Orwellian horrific, in it? the way it was an Orwellian rewriting I mean, of that history. Is absolutely but,
2: disgraceful. But it's she just was brought, police in action. It, it definitely
1: was a sort of a,
3: um, mm. an Orwellian a rewriting of what had happened. Reality um, TV. It's not real anymore. Yeah. Same. Totally fabricated.
1: Right. We work, we're going to talk about shutdowns. We're not yeah. going to talk about shutdowns and pros and cons, but mm. um, does it does look like a second wave in the US or you disagree was?
3: Um, depends on what your definition of a second wave is. Right. A second wave of infections. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. If, you, if you're saying that the confirmed cases, if the confirmed cases is to rise up above the daily number that happened in the first wave, yeah, definitely. It's a, sec- mm. it's a second wave, yeah. Mm
1: got any thoughts on COVID-19 in America?
3: Well, it's the deaths of what counts. Right?
4: Well, the Yanks have lost control of the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, what is it, 100 and something thousand dead, isn't it? It's yeah. over 100,000, yes. I think. Yeah. Dead from it. Mm-hmm. And how many people died in the Vietnam War?
2: 50-odd thousand.
4: Exactly. So they've already got to twice that number.
2: Yeah, but they mm-hmm. took longer. I know. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) They were in Vietnam for about a decade. They were in Mm.
4: Vietnam for fifteen or twenty years, or something like that. And you know, I think that um, the proof is in that the two standout states that were rushing to reopen, Texas and Florida, have actually put the brakes back on and they've thrown themselves into reverse. They've they've started to lock down again, Mm. which and you know. (laughs) You can go on it for days and days at a time, but the Yanks are, well, the the Trump presidency is a disgrace, but he's actually openly telling his supporters not to bother wearing masks, which makes no sense whatsoever because, you know, and this is one good thing that I will say about the Black Lives Matter protests is that every single protester was wearing a mask. Are you you know? sure? Well, okay, most of them were wearing
2: masks. <laughs> I didn't notice that.
4: most Mm. of them were wearing masks out on the street.
5: Mm.
4: Not here in Australia, but over in America they were. Mm. And, you know, that is something that I think that they should pat themselves on the back for is getting masks out in the public. Mm. But Donald Trump has said you don't need to wear a mask
3: anyway. Mm. So did Deep Throat.
4: Well, Deep Throat, I think he said that if you don't wear it, if you don't use it properly and you end up touching your face and all that sort of mm. thing, then
3: the mask is useless. So if you're not trying. And, and it could yeah, even
1: be worse, potentially. Potentially. If mm. you are then contaminating the mask so and you're the mask Deep Throat Donald near. Trump
3: have something in common. <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: no. No. <laughs> no. don't <you> can't <laughs> <say>. <laughs> Oh, oh you, provocative. He didn't say that. Hello, Deep Throat. Yeah, no. You've, <laughs> you didn't mean it. He really didn't mean it. You've, I'm not,
3: brave enough to know. say that when you're not sitting here beside <laughs> me. Yeah, well, you know, we can't have five
1: of us here for... for Four of us is plenty. Yeah.
3: Um, now the number of deaths is uh, steadily declining, those, and that's the that's the most important statistic.
1: Well, why is that? Is it just because in the first case the hospitals in New York were completely overrun, um, and they've had well a bit the more number of, of confirmed
3: sp- cases is going up because they're mm-hmm. testing a lot more,
1: mm-hmm. um, but also Could, with the
3: confirmed cases, um, the the results that are coming through are showing that the um, the, the people that are uh, testing positive this time around are much younger right and healthier and they're spending if they do spend any time in hospital it's, it's significantly less periods of time and a lot of them are symptomatic. so mm-hmm. um and a lot of them are being tested positive and not you know not even feeling any ill effects and mm-hmm. just getting back on with it. So I right. I I wouldn't put too much emphasis on confirmed cases because there's a lot more cases out there than have been confirmed. Mm-hmm. You know the 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 work that they've done um, shows that there's probably about 50 people for every one person that's been confirmed mm-hmm. that has had covid-19 at some point in time. So mm-hmm. yeah which is kind of a good thing because that means that it's less deadly than what we mm. even um, uh, consider now, and definitely less deadly than what we thought it was going to be in the beginning. Mm. Mm.
1: Um, let me move on to seeing you here, Scott. Uh, let's talk a little bit about China. <laughs> Do you know it's taken me a long time to get to get to sleep at night? I have to spend so much time looking for reds under the bed these days. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, be careful. Be, be careful. You know, I spoke, I did my thing last week about um, the Jakarta Method. And that was a very good podcast. Thank you. And in it, um, it sort of looked at McCarthyism Ooh. as part of it. And I feel like we are living through a bit of a McCarthyist era. Yes. In well, the In the, look, we've just had uh, Gladys Liu not so long ago, mm-hmm. uh, what, 12 months ago? Yeah. Uh, accused of being a CCP communist sympathiser. Yeah, We've just had an opposition Labor guy in the New South Wales uh, upper house accused of being a Chinese sympathiser. Well, he is, yep. not just accused. Well, he's made public statements. Did he say, I'm a Chinese sympathiser? No, he told everybody
2: <laughs> how wonderful the Chinese government yeah, was and yeah. how wonder- wonderfully they'd
1: handled the pandemic. Yeah. So but, he's clearly
2: a, I, I, an admirer of the... Chinese system. Uh,
1: Okay, but my point is, this is entering um, McCarthyist-type hunt for communists in government. Like, that's what it was about, and we are, more so than we have in the previous 10 years, started entering a a period like that.
2: I disagree, but you know what is reminiscent of McCarthyism? Is this witch hunt over uh, people who don't support Black Lives Matter? That's more like McCarthyism. I don't think so. But
1: we've got ASIO, a government body, hunting for communist sympathisers but in, hang on, Trevor. In gov- in, no, China's not real. communist. Remember? Well, they're calling. I'm using their terminology. <laughs> oh, right. okay. Yeah. ASIO so, has
3: has a role. It sound...
1: to to
2: protect our national security. So, so they're doing their job. Hopefully, the, the, the
1: other part of the McCarthyism was was the was the in order to get uh, acceptance by the American community of 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 interference in other countries, they had to scare the bejesus out of them and say, "Look out." Those communists are up to no good. We need to be over there in those countries, doing our stuff to stop them. And mm. and I get the same sense, to a lesser degree, but a same sense of of look out, everybody, be scared. The communists mm. are coming. Uh, mm. Let's beef up our. Let you should be worried about this. Let's beef up our tyrannical. Security laws that allow us to lock people up mm. for questioning without a lawyer, without telling anybody, Indeed. no matter how young they are. Let's have secret trials where the public cannot watch what's going on. You know, these sorts of things are I'm with happening. You on that, Trevor. When you scare people enough, mm-hmm. you justify these sorts of tyrannical, totalitarian style. So you don't style. think
2: the Ch- Chinese are anything so, for us to worry about?
1: Nowhere near like the beat-up that is being said. Mm. Uh, nowhere near like the beat-up. So, look, I've got a bit of a clip to play from somebody on this one, so let me just uh, let me just find from out. From Gladys Liu, I hope. Well, well, we'll just see who it is. Hang on <laughs> a second.
6: Fist, glove, 12th man, hard bottom here. Oh. Glove. Welcome back. I understand that you have become a burden to the taxpayer. (laughs) But today my comments are for Fist. I've been very pleased with the length of your episodes of late and particularly your pro-China stance. I have a surprise for you, Mr. Fist. Ni hao one show more day wash land and hard bottom I'm a Panyo trevor Tinkerbell jung wood apanyo fechang panyo ni geita aldi And han hao okay chen sa chen fist shortly you should be receiving an Aldi shopping bag. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's good to know. <laughs> I
3: hope I have your address There's right. The,
1: there you go. Mm. Oh, yeah. dear. Thank you.
3: I don't think me and Paul will be getting an Aldi shopping bag. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no I, I might have to share that. No. Mm. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, I've missed you, Landon. So, yes. No, you know, yeah. I more, can... more of the same, please. <laughs>
4: I can sympathise with both of you on this because Trevor's right, we do have a slight about of McCarthyism going on in our government. However, Paul's also right because of the <laughs> Shinto, what do they call them, the, the institutes? The, um, not Shinto Institute? The Confucian. Confucian Institutes. Yeah, that are across our university campuses yep. right now, which are controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. Absolutely and you only have to look at the way in which the pro hong kong protests at university of queensland were handled
5: mm.
4: to see the influence of the chinese government That's there right. mm. now that is a cause for concern deep because you've got a foreign government imposing its will or attempting to impose its will on our campuses here in australia
3: yeah Thank you, Scott. No worries. I'd I'd challenge all the dear listeners to read Clive Hamilton's book and not be a little bit concerned about the Chinese influence.
4: Yeah, I think you can be a little
3: bit concerned about it, but, you know, you've got all Have you read the book? I haven't read the book, but I've read the synopsis of the book. I think you'll you'll be concerned.
4: Absolutely. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if I would be concerned. But, you know, um, Clive Hamilton is probably a little bit extreme, for what I would take as a normal commentator, he is very much anti-China, mm. and I think he's also very much pro-America.
2: So was Winston Churchill an extremist for being so anti-Hitler? No, I don't think so. Because so it what was- makes a person extreme? Well, I,
4: I don't know. You know, it's. I've just- heard an
3: interview with Clive, and he said that when he started writing the book, he. His his attitude changed as the information came in, and he was putting it down into the book. Um, He didn't realise the extent of the um, influence that China had, and yeah, it was through
1: researching the book and writing the book that he became the way he did. He's from the Australia Institute, so he actually started the Australia Institute, and there was an article in the John Menadue blog from the Australia Institute which basically said our foreign policy towards China has been nuts, that we, um, uh, the whole thing with the investigation, let's send in weapons inspector-like people into China and find out what happened, whether they like it or not. This is from the Australian Institute, the very institute that he started, basically said that was nuts. You don't conduct foreign policy like that and you pick and choose your fights and your battles where you can do what you can. And he uh, gives examples of Japan and Singapore and and South Korea and other countries who have to have close relationships with China, who wouldn't make the faux pas that this government did in dealing with them. You've got to pick your battles and um, basically said the uh, that there's very few people in the... Australian government who would actually have enough knowledge about Chinese mm. cultural issues um, and history and that's what to, they need. to make um, the correct decisions. So they think they can treat them like another Western country. Um, so, yeah, so the Australian Institute, which Clive Hamilton started, was actually quite critical of the Morrison government's approach to it. So
4: See, um, I don't think that um, it was wrong for the government to say to China, don't you think you should open yourselves up for an international
1: investigation? But they didn't say but it like that. No, didn't. I
4: know they didn't say it like that. They, they basically, didn't say it
1: to China. They no. said it to the who? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Which was
4: they, wrong. If they'd it was, said, it if they'd said, it said like that, they did say have been China final.
3: either. So, so they said countries.
4: Yeah, what they should have done was they should have very quietly said to the Chinese government, "This is what we're about to do. We're just giving." Well, them I don't warning. think they should
3: have said anything to the Chinese company uh, co- Why? government that because it was an issue that they had to take up with the World Health Organization. And it extended beyond the current pandemic with China and it was saying we need to be able to, for all future pandemics... Be able to go into the country where we assume that it yeah, but originated we, with from. With weapons
4: inspector powers, I,
3: I they didn't that say was, that. Yes, he, he did. Say they did not say that. No, he did I did. Trevor, off, I provide you with the information. No, I, I there was gave, no quote from the government that I, I, said weapons of mass destruction. I, I, there was put in air quotes to emphasise the word. I
1: I gave you they a list nev- of eight. I, I they Googled never it, used gave you weapons of
3: mass destruction no, in we, any of their correspondence. Inspector
1: type. They never, never weapons used
3: inspector. weapons inspector, weapons of mass destruction. They didn't use that. They didn't use those words.
1: No, I disagree. I can't accept that. I've provided you with didn't. it. <laughs> yeah, I did. Send it to me again. We need a fact check. <laughs> I've got, here's an idea. Have a listen to this one. Have a listen to this.
0: We have an adversary. And that adversary is China, and that adversary, uh, unless there is dramatic reform inside China, will be our enemy someday.
6: One myth, um, I think, really that needs to be dispelled, was that somehow China is aiming to replace America and and going to run the world. <laughs> it's not. Well, first of all, the Chinese are not that stupid. The, the West, with its Christian Uh, roots are about converting other people into their beliefs the chinese are not about that it's it's just the i'm i again i'm not degrading the western culture i'm just pointing out the inherent nature the dna is of two different cultures the chinese two thousand years ago built the great Wall to keep the barbarians out not to invade them
1: is there a cultural difference
2: that guy sounds like he has a Chinese accent, but he reels, he reels out this old cliche about the Great Wall. That is really a tired one.
1: Well, he talks about a different culture. Is there a different yeah. culture? Is it possible? There's a very um, different culture it's in China. Extremely different
3: see. culture, but I mean, they their history was, you know, invasion, invasion, invading tribes. Yeah, you know?
2: and they certainly weren't peaceful to the, towards their neighbours.
3: Invading Tibet.
2: Well, not only Tibet. Uh, Xinjiang was not always a, a traditional part of the Chinese uh, empire, mm. but they made it one. Uh, they, from time to time, invaded uh, Korea, uh, the northern part of Vietnam, and all those little uh, the, the areas of southwest China which are basically Full of ethnic minorities, they weren't always part of China either back in the old days. you know.
1: So there was a story about a, uh, a cyber attack on Australia about a week mm. ago, I think it was. Happens all the time, apparently. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Mm. Like journalists were saying, is this something new or irregular? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, oh, next question. Like it seemed to be mm. this was just an everyday event, you which, think? which, Well, this is the point. Like front page of the Courier Mail, the new Cold War, computers bugged in sophisticated attack, government agencies. You know, Mm. to me that was just commonplace. Goes on all the time. Goes on all the time, and and cartoon in the paper was cyber attacks. Year of the Rat, that's obviously attacking China, Mm. and and um, I don't know whether this one was bigger or more widespread.
3: I'm I'm not. Familiar with the details. But yeah. I, I, my sources
1: tell me that these things happen all the time.
3: Yeah. It's well, so commonplace. The
1: irony of it to me was at exactly that moment in Canberra, we had the secret trial of Witness Kay and his lawyer. Yeah. And that it was, was a, a distraction, a, you think? Well, it's a trial based on Australia's spying of East Timorese. <laughs> yeah. So one part of the paper has got this thing saying, God damn dirty Chinese are spying <laughs> on us. <laughs> Meanwhile, in a courtroom in Canberra, yeah. we were doing atrocious spying on poor old East Timorese mm. and we've got a secret trial Um STASI-like trial um, going on and, oh, that's okay.
3: Just but the, uh, the Chinese the, do it all the time. Yeah, Australia, yeah. apart but, from East Timor, is there any other? Well, it's the only one we know. But It's the only one we know.
1: What, what are we paying these spies for if not to spy? Like, <laughs> uh, the, surely that's what they're doing. Look, they're like, always like, spies. That's what they're supposed to do. That's what, that's what spies do. do. Yes. That was the thing that got me was, you know, how outrageous that the Chinese should be attempting to do a cyber spy on us. Well... What do you think they're going to do? Like, yeah, they that's, that's a good point. Yeah,
2: our spy agencies are listening to everybody all the time, but particularly countries of significance and interest. Yeah,
1: and I just don't. Um, as Bronwyn says in the chat room, we only have Morrison's word for what happened with the cyber attack. How credible is that? Do you think we can't trust? Not them on very. It yeah, not very. exactly. So, uh, so that was that. Um, any thoughts on ABC funding? Mm, yeah, I've got some. Oh, yeah. Um, their funding's remained
3: about the same over the last five or six years, hasn't it? I mean, the, the cuts have been reductions to planned increases. So they haven't actually had funding cuts. And have they lost 200, 250 jobs? And there's been a hell of what, a lot of period media of, interest. What period of time
1: are you talking about? Just recently. Yeah, but say when you say they've lost 200. 150. They had to cut right. like
3: last week or right. something, was it? And there was a big song and dance about that. Meanwhile, Qantas had sacked 6,000 mm-hmm. and there was probably more coverage of the 200 job losses at the ABC than the 6,000 at Qantas. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. media organisations but, but then in Australia have had to take a significant hit due to the COVID-19 crisis, and I think ABC crying poor and and wanting sympathy throughout all of this, it, it's just a little bit hard for me to stomach, to be honest.
1: Okay, so when... Um, Particularly I'll, when you consider they do such a shocking job. <laughs> well, uh, they do do a shocking job at times, but sometimes they get it really well, like Four Corners has led to various royal oh, commissions. Yeah. There's, some, been, there's some good stuff. There's been some really important yeah. stuff. But, but look, they get the best part of a billion dollars a year, don't they? Well, I don't know what the top figure is.
3: I think it's 860 but, odd million. dollars.
1: But, but there's a number of royal commissions. And no one's that, taken a pay cut at the ABC. There's a number of royal commissions that never would have happened without the ABC. Mm. Four it's, Corners
2: is a very we, solid
1: program, We would still mm-hmm. be under JB Jockey mm. peterson if it wasn't for Four mm. Corners well, uh, in the Midnight yet. State. Well, that's... They'd have kept he him would, alive yeah. <laughs> Yes. He would be like the 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 dear leader, the weekend
2: of, of Bernie. would be ruling <laughs> from the grave. Yeah. Oh, the, the,
1: on the occasions that Four Corners um, gets it right, are yeah. worth the full budget of the ABC in in my. But anyway, mm. when you talked about um, well, Qantas sacks six thousand people, mm. and we well, but then the government goes to those six thousand people and says, "Here is some money." At the same time, they're paying money to the ABC and they're Mm. going to sack them and then when they're off the books, they're going to say, here's some money because now you're on the dole or whatever, here's here's a job seeker allowance. So Mm. in a time when when the economy is struggling, governments are supposed to be investing and stimulating the economy. Mm. So why would you... um, do something that's going to reduce employment in the ABC when you are in a stage where you actually need to be promoting employment. But, it's, mm.
3: but the government. So, but conversely, decide where. I mean, the you say spent. that like mm. we're we're in a recession, so the mm. government should be splashing cash and trying to get the economy going. Mm. So when conversely, when we're in surplus, we should be sacking people at the ABC. Uh, when when we're in surplus. So when we've so- got. When the economy is going great, do we then? Is it then like are we then justified in saying, "Well, okay, then we supported you through the recession"?
1: Well, um, well what you would say we then gave you all is, that extra money is if we don't employ these ABC journalists, will the function that they're doing be done in the private sphere? And the answer is no, because the private sphere isn't going to do a four corners style investigation of the government. Mm. And the private
2: so, media are, are shedding staff as so, well, so they're so, not going to absorb. Yeah,
1: like it's a vital. Like, from the like honestly, the ABC and the BBC perform a vital function which the United States doesn't get. Like mm. it's it's public radio is all it's got, which does some okay things, but they don't have the equivalent of ABC and BBC, mm. and they suffer as a result. Like mm. I, I just, uh, it, I would have just like to have wrong,
3: seen some. People at the ABC take a pay cut. I, mm. I I heard a figure the other day, if everyone at the ABC, employed by the ABC, took a 3.5% pay cut, no right. one would have had to have been sacked. Right. But I think the board took a pay cut. Right. But the board gets paid three-fifths of fuck all anyway. Mm. So, I mean, I think... Really? Yeah. Like, in, in the overall I, budget. I was surprised. Ida Butros gets paid like $55,000 per annum. Really? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and she's been reduced to $50,000 right. per annum. Right. You know, so if you take all Should of the the board, you know, it's they've they've saved about, you know, $80,000 on their budget. It's like so I agree debate.
4: with him there because, and I had heard those exact same numbers, that if everyone had taken a 3.5% pay mm. cut, no one would need to be snap, sacked. Mm. I agreed wholeheartedly. And there's some
3: very overpaid journalists Oh, the God, ABC. yeah. I mean,
4: Lee Sales, God knows what she draws, but she draws yeah. way too much money for what she's worth. Yeah. But, you know, you've also... A- Emma
3: Alberici. Yeah, like, she
4: gets paid too much too. Yeah. But, you know... Um, she
1: did a good point. She did a good article once. I forget what it was. She got like a trouble over. Arborici she I
3: did a trouble over. No, she's okay, she, terrible. No, she did she, some she did, good she did, stuff. She's, she's always she, doing stories from Italy. <laughs> right. Well, surprisingly, she's Alberici. Going back to her right. roots, you know. She was in Italy during the um, pandemic. No, she was doing a story on Italy,
1: the Italian mafia during she, the pandemic. She was doing enough she's that the, the government was telling the ABC, "We want her silenced." So, to me, she must have been doing something. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. No. That's how you know, She's doing a great job. Yeah. 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 So yeah. no, I won't accept. Mm. She wasn't doing something worthwhile.
2: And she interviewed that uh, Islamist guy a few years ago and she, she was really, mm. you know. But she's to, the economics
1: editor
3: or something, isn't mm. she? Like what's she doing Something like getting that. involved in foreign affairs? Why but, not?
1: But it, it's interesting. It, it seems to me that you don't think that ABC performs a vital function really.
4: It does it, perform a vital function yeah. but I think he's got a very good point. You know, the- 3.5% across the board is not a hell of a lot of cash for them to be asked to give up. Mm. And none of them offered it.
5: And, and there's they, a They're they of-
4: all out there crying tears about the ABC job cuts. I mean, <laughs> you only have to open any of the newspapers across the country to see that there has been bloodlet across all mm. of the newsrooms,
3: mm. both in- private and A lot of industries. You Absolutely. Know. You look at soccer players, they've taken an 80% pay cut. Well, they had to. (laughs) But, you know,
4: I thought that the reporting over the ABC budget woes was overdone. It was a group of entitled brats kicking and screaming about it. Really? Really? Yes.
3: But there's also the the left-wing media who leapt to the defence of the ABC because that's their safety net, you know,
2: like, like the Guardian.
3: Well, the Guardian and 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 Fairfax, like they they want to suck up, up to the, the ABC. ABC. Um, yeah, there's a bit. You're right. You know, that's uh, if they were to get the ass from the the Guardian,
1: they they're going to be picked to up ABC. by the ABC. Yeah. So are you saying that because times are particularly tough and lots of people in lots of businesses are taking a haircut, they should have taken one in this instance at this time?
4: Absolutely, they should have. Mm.
1: uh, Without that, then their funding should have continued as per normal. Would that be right or not? Is it it just because of the COVID emergency that everyone's taking? I'm saying they're
3: making a bigger deal out of this than what's necessary.
4: Mm, And, you know, also one of the things that was reported was the – Excess cut to their travel budget. Why? Mm. You know, everyone has...
3: But they cut that news service as well. Um, Yeah, they
4: they cut the quarter to eight news bulletin, which I never understood anyway, you know. But they sort
3: of, from what I can tell, they shifted it around. They shaved 10 minutes off the end of that and added 10 minutes to the end of another bulletin or something like that. And they tried to make out like they made this big change that was going to affect you know have massive consequences but there are lots of little things that they do less important things that they do that they could have just gotten rid of altogether mm. and no one would have even noticed you know but they had to cut that to make a big song and dance out of the whole situation absolutely and that, that
4: was that Draw- was yeah that was my major complaint about the whole coverage of it i honestly thought it was a bunch of entitled brats kicking and screaming about it mm. You know whereas I did think that had they have all taken their three and a half percent, they could have saved two hundred and fifty jobs, and that would have been the end of it
3: mm. or and, got rid of some content that no one really cared about
4: well, you know q and a yeah, who's that new woman that's doing it?
2: new the woman. Young. No, he's, was, he's no a y- was, young blonde fella.
4: No, that was, sorry, he wasn't on there last night. Who was the one that was doing it last night? I didn't watch it. No, I was sitting there watching it. And she was so
3: rude, I had to delete it. it was oh, I wonder kid. who that was. They could get rid of the drum, couldn't they? That'd save mm. them a few bucks.
4: Well, they could get rid of the drum. No one they
3: could the Q and A. You
4: know, it's, yeah,
2: um, who who watches the drum anymore anyway? I mean, <laughs> just,
4: no, but I do believe that there was a hell of a lot of kicking and screaming. From a bunch of entitled brats.
1: Right. Mm. In the circumstances of a crisis, they Absolutely. should have taken a haircut.
4: They should have taken a haircut.
1: Right. Yeah.
4: Mm. God almighty, I'm going to be taking a 20% haircut on my salary. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's yep. the
2: entitled brat now?
1: Yep.
4: I am an entitled brat and I accept that. I mean, he's already said that I'm the first privately educated gay man here, so,
1: you know, <laughs> And if your company had offered everybody a, a 3.5% pay cut and everybody gets to stay, then you would have said yes to that so that yeah, everyone could stay. Absolutely,
5: yeah. Mm. Mm.
4: yeah. Mm. Anyway, it didn't happen, so that was it.
1: Mm. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I think the ABC performs a more vital service than probably you guys do, but I do also see the point that everybody is taking a haircut at mm. this moment. we are all got less money in our pockets than we did expect to have. Well, not um, everyone. So, right. Some
3: industries are doing
1: well. Yes, that's true. There are the old ones that are doing well. So. I heard that mm.
3: uh, online gambling is doing really well at the moment.
1: <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, that's what everyone's doing with their um, uh, JobKeeper allowance. Mm. Not this baby. <laughs> well,
2: you
4: know, I, I found it ridiculous that, um, you know, because Hobart went into, uh, Tasmania went into lockdown and that mm-hmm. no one was allowed to use the pokies. And they said that the $42 million has not been saved, it's been spent. It's been spent on
1: groceries
4: and that type of thing. Mm. It hasn't been pissed up against the wall at the pokey's machine. Mm. Yeah.
1: Let's talk about humanities degrees oh, yeah. and yeah, arts that was degrees. Ridiculous, uh, so, post the announcement, uh, how much can you expect to pay for a degree? Um, a lot. So, teaching, clinical psychology, English maths, nursing languages agriculture 3700 per year allied health health architecture it creative arts engineering environmental studies science 7700 per year medical dental veterinary science 11300 per year law economics management and commerce society and culture humanities communications behavioral science 14500 per year will be the new figure. Twelfth man, I suspect you have an opinion about the value of a humanities degree and would you like to state your qualifications at this point? Well, I
2: I did a social science degree, which is sort of almost the same thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed my university studies, I have to say, and I often, when I'm talking to people about it, I say it opened windows, conceptual windows for me in terms of intellectual uh, possibilities and development. And I really, really value my degree because I learned about the world and I learnt how to, you know, research and critically analyse material about mm-hmm. the world. And I think that's extremely valuable. Not that I think I'm extremely valuable, but I think it's extremely valuable for any country to have people um, you know, in its populace that do understand the world? How else does a, a country get by in such an interconnected world? And so I think the government's extremely short-sighted if they think we do not need humanities graduates and insufficient numbers. For goodness sake, our Department of Foreign Affairs needs people with understanding of the world, you
3: know?
5: Mm.
1: Mm. I value you.
3: Thank you. Do you know uh, th-
1: even even Watley is agreeing with you? I don't think he can believe it in the chat really? room. Yeah, so no, there you go. Watley never Whatley. agrees <laughs> no, with me. What think, what's wrong with you, Watley? I, I think that's on this rare occasion he has. Um, thanks, Watley. Yeah, yeah. Um <sighs> This whole thing about this government is jobs, jobs, jobs. Everything is about jobs. Every second word they say is about jobs. Even during Turnbull it was about jobs, wasn't it? Jobs and growth. Jobs, jobs, jobs. As if that's all
2: the world revolves around. Indeed. Yeah. And university should be about more than just a job,
1: shouldn't it? It should be about personal growth. And and an arts degree does get you a job. Like the sort of employment statistics from I think were not too bad, but I know... um, Things like the police, like the police will take people with a degree. They don't yeah. care what degree you've got if mm. you've got a degree because it basically means that for three years you were organised enough to get out of bed, yeah. attend a lecture,
0: you do can, the assignments. You could read and
1: write. Do, well, and a level Shady of discipline. Self-discipline. Yeah. And enough yeah. motivation and mm. yeah. you just had your shit together well enough that you could independently mm get a degree like a, a degree at its basic level like i know even with a law degree okay you did learn certain technical things about the law but it was very broad brush you come out of a law degree pretty useless in pretty terms green. Of, in terms of your ability what do you
3: think? yes you really same with engineering
1: y- yeah you, there's a lot of stuff you just have to learn on the job yep. and really it's just a ticket that says this guy is smart enough and he's disciplined enough and his um, drug dependency is at a reasonable level, <laughs> such that he's capable of being a, <laughs> a reasonable <laughs> member of a society. Like that, there is just that part of a degree is is the case. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, yeah, and at its best, an arts degree teaches the sorts of things you yeah. talk about. At its worst, it do you See, s- I, I think all degrees should
3: have a little bit of humanities I in there. Agree. Yeah. Mm. So, and, do you know, in, in some other countries,
2: for example, Japan and I think the United States, Yeah, the they, first they, year of college. They start with a general studies uh, yeah. course. And mm. I know in you Japan... You do
3: philosophy and yes. all of those. Yeah. Well, yeah. in Japan, a four-year the, the, the subjects degree, that teach you how to think. Yeah. The mm.
2: first two years are general studies. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: so yeah. a lot of other technical degrees like engineering, it's it's just technical information. There's not much absolutely thinking and arguing about it. It's no. just what is the rules or, you need or to how know. to communicate, yeah,
3: um, your findings, yes, any of that. Yeah, yeah. so what, 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 that that would be my solution is to yeah. go, you know, change the ed, the university education systems mm. in line with what they have in the US and the first year of any degree is exactly the same and you, you learn those topics like philosophy yeah. and history. And But um, I, I want to know why university degrees are getting more expensive. You know, with a, and also universities used to be these big buildings in a prominent position in the middle of a town where all the smart people were, where all the books were and you had to go there to learn. That's not the case anymore. No. You know, with the internet, with YouTube lectures, well, well, with online learning, today. And, and I'm not saying go do everything online, there's still that value in face to face. But with the technological advancements that we've had since universities began, university degrees should be cheaper now. Mm. You should be able to provide them at a much lower cost than what you could 20 years ago. And not only that, but the
2: cost of delivering a, uh, say, a medical degree or a vet science degree or engineering, even. The cost of delivering would be substantially higher than a humanities degree, I would think. So why is that in the most expensive category? It seems to me it's an ideological... It
1: is. You've hit strategy. the nail on the head. It's, it the, is, idea, it's, it's the ideology it's, of the government.
2: Yes. Because they think that they're full of uh, raving left-wing nutters and mm. they are, as we know, Well, well, do want
1: to shut them down. <laughs> ironically by an education minister who has an arts degree.
2: Yes, but who doesn't know where uh that africa is a a continent not a country
1: or something yes like that. but it's interesting <laughs> that the education minister with an arts degree makes a decision to slot arts degrees like mm-hmm. that's maybe that's he knows something about them that we don't it's it's interesting i'm
3: that, almost thinking that like the value of a degree now like the value of a degree used to be in its scarcity almost it, it didn't it didn't like there, there used to be a time a generation ago, maybe a little bit more, mm. a generation a half ago, ago, where if you finished high school, you went to university and you got a degree, you were set for life. That's not the case anymore. No. Even if you become a doctor now, it's a hard slog. Mm. Or a lawyer. It's really hard to get a a job as a GP in Brisbane. Yes. It's really hard. And and even when you Mm. do get a job, it's Mm. a hard slog for another Mm. 10 years before you really start to put your head back above water. And and it's even worse in the United States. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I I think so. I I, I think we've got to start to change our thinking around university educations. Like, it's wisdom that we want to instill in people, not academic. Or, or credentialism. Academic we don't cre- want just this yeah.
2: empty credentialism where everybody has to go to university because yeah. everyone does. Yeah. I mean,
3: I, I did an engineering degree, but, you know, I've been able to educate myself just through reading books, listening to podcasts like this one, Um you know, listening to other podcasts. There's, there's that. The information is available. You can it, go and get it yourself. It if is you now, want, and you I, don't have to pay for it. It is now. I
1: think a generation ago, the value of a university was you'd be introduced to materials that you couldn't get anywhere else. Yeah, you'd, you'd, but you you'd can get introduced them now. to materials and books and ideas that were presented to you that you just weren't going to have presented to you. Exactly. Um, but now, like, I have at different times after doing this podcast, I occasionally had the thought in my head. Should I do an arts degree? It might be interesting. And then Mm. I thought, no, they'll want me to study stuff that I won't be interested in Mm. and I'll be wanting to study something else. I'll just self-study what I want to study. And I can now, whereas a generation ago you couldn't. You couldn't access the interesting materials. You wouldn't be pointed. You Mm. needed to be pointed in the right direction. Mm. There wasn't. The Google search engine to take you down the rabbit holes yeah. that you can go down now. So yeah, you're better off no. doing it
2: yourself. Yeah,
1: and it's like Paul Keating never got a degree, mm. and um, you know later in life contemplated it, and people said to him, "Paul, just find the areas you're interested in and study it yourself. You, you know, mm. autodidactic or whatever, um, mm. because you, in doing a degree, will have to undertake certain. Feeling areas that you just won't be interested in. Just do such just statistics. Yeah, or something. <laughs> like. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what use could it possibly be to have an understanding of statistics in this modern day? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. I was St- just
2: going to say, yeah. statistics yeah. is probably one of the more valuable things that you learn.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, what,
2: you
4: know really? what people don't have the an understanding. And the of the standard deviation, you're fine. The rest of it's all a load of garbage.
3: You know what people don't understand, and this has become apparent during pan- the pandemic, is um, risk. They've got mm. no idea about risk. Right. Like, and and, and reading graphs. Like, mm-hmm. you, you put a graph in front of people and they just go blurry-eyed. Right. They're just the simplest of graphs. Okay. You know? Yeah. Graph reading and, and assessment of risk. Okay. People got no idea. And- yeah I didn't realise because I, I do I mean engineering it was all graphs mm-hmm. and uh you know working in construction and engineering you had to be constantly assessing risk and um yeah
1: that's that's what I've learned over the last couple of months. I've got a book on risk that you might be interested in yeah so would. um yeah we'll talk about that later but mm-hmm. um um all right, so. Oh, well, we're all in agreement on that one. We're, How boring! We're disappointed with the demise of the arts degree. Let's have a fight, yeah, right? <laughs> well, I'm conscious that Scott gets up at the crack of dawn. Uh, He's looking at the dog. Oh, all right, <laughs> Woz gets up at the crack of dawn. Oh, it's dark
3: you, when I get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but I just wanted to send a message out to all the Victorian listeners that are in in lockdown that it's going to be 25 degrees here in Brisbane on Friday. (laughs) 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 You got that, Bronwyn? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So look, the chat room's been going uh, very well in there. Good on you guys. Sorry I couldn't get to all of them at, uh, many of them at all, but good on you for participating in there. And, um,
3: Congratulations
1: oh. on five years, Trevor, yeah, and thank it's, you. It's you achievement, were, you were, you were, isn't it? You were um, mm. talking mm. Yes, earlier about
3: us. the things that you've learned and mm. I've learned mm. a hell of a lot and I think mm. I'd speak on behalf of all of the dear listeners when mm. I when I say thank you for teaching us about a hell of a lot of stuff.
1: Well, it's been quite enjoyable. So and,
3: uh, it has been yeah, mm. It's been enjoyable participating mm. and mm. one of the things I've picked up from mm. participating is the amount of work that Trevor does right. in this Yeah, from week to week and... yeah, I just want to let everyone know that it's all Trevor who does the work. It's, yeah. not, it's not any of us. Like the three of us the, just uh, turn up here yeah. on the night. Yeah, sometimes we've read the show notes, but well, sometimes I give them to you late on a Sunday night if you're yeah. lucky. Yeah, but good on you, Trevor. And right. um, I hope it goes for another five years at least.
1: Well, we'll see. I, the fire's still burning at this stage. So um, you know, if you're appreciating the podcast, you listener, I actually we better mention the patrons. Because oh, let me just. Uh, Now, I'm going to have to just get up uh, my Excel spreadsheet here, so let me do that. haven't thanked the patrons in a long time, and we've had some new ones. So, dear listener, let me, while I'm doing that, let me just, um, uh, there was a guy outside with grey hair before, and uh, I think he's still out there. Hang on. I I think we might be able to hear him.
0: Scientists have recently discovered that expat tribe members listening to their musings from both far and wide have been contributing to the group's well-being and habitat infrastructure through something called Patreon, some for as little as one dollar a podcast. It really is making a difference, and it's been observed to enrich the tribe as a whole, with contributing members experiencing measured dopamine spikes when new episodes are released, and even intermittent bouts of persistent smiling while listening. Ah, there seems to be movement again. If we listen carefully, we may be able to make out the discussion once more.
1: One person I don't thank enough is Smiley Owl, who does the voice. He over. does a great job. Yeah, he's he spot on. David spot Attenborough on. and Morgan Freeman. He is absolutely spot on. When Good I on first started Owl. looking at the, listening to the podcast, I thought,
3: "How have they done that?
1: How have they got Morgan <laughs> <laughs> Freeman?" They must know <laughs> somebody. <that."> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
3: and Trevor, he's yeah, got
1: some he's pull. Clever. Yeah. Good on you, Smiley Al. I don't thank Thanks, you Smiley enough. Um, you're a champion. Thank you for those. Right, patrons, let's thank from the top. Look, back in 2016, there were three patrons, Sean, Janelle and Craig. Oh. Then in
6: 2017,
1: we had uh, John Townsend, Landon Hardbottom, Wayno, Ayame and Allison Cortis. So thank you to the 2017 people. In 2018, let me just put an underline under here, uh, we had... Um, Steve Shinners, Tony Wall, Jimmy Spud, Kane Birch, Bronwyn, Ben, who was in the chat room, Matt J, Palais, Matic Man, Dominic Damasi, Liam McDonald, Dave Ryland, Daniel Curtin, Harry Watson, Peter Gillespie, Captain Doomsday. And then from 2019, we've had Wheat Watcher, Andy Dowling, Murray Waper, Melinda, Adam Priest, Professor Doctor Dentist, Will, Glenn Bell, Craig S, Matthew... um, Alexander Allen, Paul Waper, uh, who's in the chat room just now, Tom Doolin, Taro, Camille, Kim Brune, Donnie Darko, Clinton Riggs, Gavin S. Somebody who's changed their name to Lookout. I think Spike's been coked. <laughs>
3: uh, I've got. A, I, I think I know who that might be. Yeah. Uh,
1: yet another Pinker fan, Graham. Uh, yet another Pinker fan. Then from 2020, uh, we've had Graham Hannigan, Mike, Mark Clark, Citizen Six, David Copley, Lloyd Berg, the Twelfth Man fan, Andrew Jackson, David Cox, Shane Ingram, Craig Ball, Kobe, LB, P Slizzle, Shailene. Um, Stephen Twigger, Yvonne Panici, David Hanby, oh yeah, relatively new ones who I mightn't mentioned before. David Hanby, Wayne Branwen, and James Leanne. Thank you for coming on board. Um, the non patrons who would, uh, well, non Patreon people who do it through PayPal would be uh, Dean Stretton, Ken, who looks like uh, Sammy J, was the beneficiary. Mister Anderson, Corinne, Mattman, Beverly, and Damien. Wayne, Jared, Obrad, Puskarika, and Darren Giddens. And we've had various beer sponsors over the time. Was, this is your great contribution to the uh, podcast. Thanks to all the beer sponsors. Great beer sponsors. Was, Wayne Landon, Bronwyn, Dave, Adam, Landon, again, Caitlin, Zach, Captain Doomsday, Glenn, Steve... um, Homemade beer. Now, that was from Matt Bell, I think, and Dire Straits and also, yes, so that's those. And look, there are a number of expenses, so that sounds like a lot of of, um, people contributing, Mm. but let me tell you there's not a lot left over at the end of the – Sure. At the end of the week, (laughs) end of the month, because the website – Uh, Hums along at a fast speed because I pay extra money for a deluxe hosting. The media files are hosted on a different site, which costs $20 US a month, and we have subscriptions to the New York Times and to the Guardian and Crikey and the Australian and the Sydney Morning Herald and um, other outlets as well. So they all add up. And so you've got that Aldi. Bag full, bag full of cash. An bag full of
0: cash coming. So <laughs> patrons <laughs> just take a rest for a while. <laughs> We're sweet
1: for <laughs> that's, that's right. Six months. <laughs> but here's how it works, dear listener. If you've been listening for twenty to twenty-five episodes, you get those for free. Like mm. just come in and check them out. And so if you've if you've been watching less than twenty episodes, relax. Um, but once you get about twenty to twenty-five, if you're still listening, if you're hooked and you really like it, then I expect you to stump up and. Join and become a patron. Let's see so. some of that John Keeper allowance of yours. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's it. So, um, because honestly, um, there's not many good podcasts out there. I've I'm struggling to find good ones. And the Spiked
2: Podcast. Yeah,
1: there you go. The Spiked Podcast would be one. Um, you can um, Brendan O'Neill. Show. No podcasts you, you, you. have the the arguments that we do, though. That's yeah. that's our distinguishing feature, and isn't it? you know the pushback. And when I look at the ABC with all the money they've got, and I just think. Man, yep. we produce a better show here than 99% of the shows on the ABC. And Absolutely. With, if, if I had half the budget that they had to do stuff with, uh, what what could we do? So, mm. See, um, I'd
4: even give up the F-bombs if they put us on the ABC. Right.
1: So, there's <laughs> no way, we could beat them out. There's no way we would survive on there. Just, they'd get so many complaints about what we <laughs> <Yes>. say. <saying. laughs> <laughs> be apologising left, right, and centre. We'd be off but the that, air.
2: Isn't that if, what the ABC should uh, be about? Yeah. It should be about challenging Australians mm. to think a little bit more deeply. Absolutely,
1: about it things. should be. That's yeah. true. Mm. It's true. Yeah. So, the ABC
2: has become so wishy-washy.
1: Yeah. So Maybe podcasts are good, was. but if you find one that you like and you're listening to it religiously, you should support it. And if this is one of those, then um, it'd be nice. So. uh there you we go. should organize another get-together yeah. for all the Patreons. We'll do that as now well. That well. Now Scott's we back. we can't can start... because the
4: lockdown still. No, it's it, can... it changed. It
3: changed. It changed. It's changing on Friday the this 3rd. This isn't Victoria. This, this Friday. <laughs> right.
1: yeah. we, we can have uh, up to 20 or something. Four,
3: like... uh, one person per every Pro... four square metres or something Provided like you're not now. Victorian, we can associate yeah, with you. you stay down there, you
1: Victorians. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bronwyn said she's got uh, central heating, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You on your so, and tell your friends because, uh, look, to be honest, we're kind of stuck at around the 400 uh, listener mark for quite a while. So, clearly, um, nobody's finding us, and I don't have time to advertise it. So, it's up to you to tell your friends if you're sitting around That's a barbecue need, or more a dinner exposure. party. Yep. Yeah. So, mm. tell your friends and say, oh, I've been listening to these guys and put them onto maybe one of your favorite episodes and say, check this episode out. Mm. So, Right. Well, there we go. Five years down, uh, at least another five to go. (laughs) 55. So thank you. I hope so. Yes. Thank you for any kind comments that you've put through um, in the past week. That's been appreciated and uh, we'll be back next week. You're around. We're all around. Next week, no excuses. Looking forward to it already. Right. Okay. Can hardly wait. All right. Talk to you then.
4: Bye. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. Bye, everyone.